Pentecost Prayer Psalm 104 Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord Rejoice in his works. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Reading the Word First reading Acts chapter 2 When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were seated. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now they were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language. Parthians, Meds, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Pragia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. 
For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Gospel John chapter 20 When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Hearing the word, equipped for the mission. At Jesus' ascension, the apostles were entrusted with the very challenging task of continuing his mission of bringing salvation to humanity. This task far surpassed their capacities and resources. It will be the task of the Holy Spirit to empower and equip these future evangelizers for their mission to the whole world. Today the first reading describes the descent of the Holy Spirit on the disciples and the immediate effect which this had. This event took place on the Jewish feast of Pentecost, celebrated in commemoration of the Sinai covenant and God's gift of the law to the Israelites, which established Israel as a nation. Similarly, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' disciples was the founding event for the church. The first gift of the Holy Spirit to the disciples was the gift of tongues. This gift is often incorrectly understood in terms of an ecstatic speech in strange and incomprehensible tongues practiced by some charismatic groups. The gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost was nothing like that. It was about enabling the disciples to make themselves clearly understood in various languages spoken at the time. Since Pentecost was a pilgrim feast, Jerusalem was filled with pilgrims from the Jewish communities scattered throughout the ancient world. Although all Jews, those pilgrims spoke the languages of the countries where they lived, to emphasize this fact, Luke draws up a detailed and well-organized list of those present in Jerusalem at the time, 
starting from the Far East. Luke lists Aramaic-speaking Jews coming from Mesopotamia and Judea, moving Far East. He names the Greek speakers inhabiting Asia Minor and Egypt. Moving even further west, he refers to the Latin speakers from the northern Africa and Rome. He even mentions those who will be speaking rare local languages, such as the inhabitants of the island of Crete and the nomadic people of the deserts, the Arabs. By providing these details, Luke emphasizes that the Holy Spirit made the disciples capable of communicating their message to the inhabitants of the various parts of the world, stretching from east to west. This gift of using different languages was the first and major way that Holy Spirit equipped the disciples to become effective apostles and evangelizers. The second reading contains the opening section of the part of First Corinthians where Paul instructs the community on the use of the gift of Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 The Corinthians had numerous charismatic gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8 But misunderstood and misused, some of them particularly, prophecy and tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 The amount of attention which Paul accorded to this subject shows how crucial charismatic gifts were in the early church. Today's passage contains the introduction to this extensive treatment. Ecstatic worship and speaking in strange tongues were not unique to Christianity. Such forms of worship were widely practiced by numerous religions and cults in the ancient world. Some of their members could speak in strange tongues, foretell the future, and perform healing. Yet, they had nothing to do with the Christianity. Therefore, Paul begins his treatment of the charismatic gifts by clearly defining their nature and purpose from a uniquely Christian perspective. First, the charismatic gifts cannot be separated from the individual's relationship to Jesus. Apparently, there were those who had some forms of charismatic gifts, but who rejected Jesus by cursing him. Paul states that those who have the authentic charismatic gifts, which come from the Holy Spirit, accept Jesus as their Lord. Thus, the very basic gift of the Holy Spirit is faith. Second, Paul insists that these gifts are to be used strictly for community building. They were given to the members in view of the mutual service and growth in faith. The gifts must be used for the common good, not for self-glorification, as some Corinthians apparently thought. Paul emphasizes that all the gifts, despite their variety, come from the same source, God. Operating through the Holy Spirit, God gives these gifts to the community members 
so that they may grow in unity and harmony, to become as one body. This is the essential understanding that Paul seeks to convey in his extensive presentation. The Holy Spirit is the divine presence and the divine energy that breathes life into the community and equips believers with various gifts and abilities as means to a continuing growth of the church. This spirit-filled community provides the environment where its individual members grow in faith and through their unity, witnesses to God's presence in the world. The Gospel reading returns to the resurrection appearance of Jesus to his disciples, as narrated by John. In John's account, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to the disciples on the evening of the day of his resurrection. Having breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples, Jesus gave them the authority to forgive or to retain sins. These two terms should be understood in terms of salvation and judgment. In the Gospel of John, sin is primarily associated with unbelief. The disciples' primary task is to bring people to believe in Jesus and thus remove the sin of unbelief. Belief leads to forgiveness and salvation. Conversely, those who reject the apostolic proclamation and refuse to accept Jesus fall under judgment. Their sin of unbelief is retained. The Holy Spirit guides the disciples and equips them with the capacity to bring salvation to those who believe and to declare judgment upon those who reject faith. This understanding of Jesus' words is supported by his own actions in forgiving or retaining sins, John chapter 3 and chapter 5, and by the explicit link between the presence of Holy Spirit and judgment upon those who committed the sin of unbelief, John chapter 16. The disciples filled with the Holy Spirit proclaimed Jesus to the world, and their proclamation sets up the possibility for either salvation or judgment. Depending on the person's response to their proclamation, the Holy Spirit empowers the disciples to act as the agents of salvation or the agents of judgment. The coming of the Holy Spirit equipped and empowered Jesus' disciples for witness, leading to the birth of the church. The first and the essential gift of the Spirit was the ability to proclaim Jesus in languages that the various nations of the world could understand. The Holy Spirit continued to facilitate the growth of the Church by equipping the early Christians with a variety of gifts to make their communities, like the one in Corinth, grow. Finally, the Holy Spirit equipped the apostles with the authority to bring salvation or judgment upon the world by their courageous proclamation of Jesus. All these gifts of the Spirit, which gave rise to the first Christian communities, have been at work in the church until today. Those believers who employ these gifts and continue to proclaim the message of salvation and build up the church 
can joyfully exclaim with the psalmist, O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. Listening to the Word of God On the Feast of Pentecost, which many consider the birth of the Church, we are reminded that we were not left alone in the world after Jesus' ascension. Jesus is present with us through His Spirit, through whom His mission also continues. We are also reminded that God does not send His servants on a mission to continue Jesus' salvific work unprepared or ill-equipped. This was true in apostolic times and is just as true today. Today's liturgy presents three powerful tools that all Christians have at their disposal to continue what Jesus had begun. The Holy Spirit was sent upon the disciples, enabling them to speak diverse languages. Ever since, words have been the primary tool of evangelization, proclamation of Jesus, his teaching, and above all, his death and resurrection became the nourishment for the growth of the faith of many. The power of words cannot be underestimated. If used properly, words inform and inspire, console and enlighten. Guided by the Holy Spirit, each one of us can use this powerful tool to build our communities strengthening their unity and developing other people's potential. Words are precious when spoken to build up. Words are dangerous when used to disrupt. Today we are invited to look at how we use this precious gift and resource. Coming out of our mouths are our words those of nourishment or of poison. The first Christians were able to use this gift properly to proclaim Jesus and lead others to a fuller life. We are not different today. Our words, even if spoken in modern tongues, have the same potential. The second major tool at our disposal is the freedom to act as we choose and use our gifts as we decide. Today, we have much freedom to decide on our life path and to choose to what we commit ourselves. With this freedom, we can choose careers and commitments that reflect our Christian faith. This could be a full-time commitment such as becoming a priest or a sister or a social worker. But this choice could well mean blessing our gifts at the service of the community in some other ways, such as being an active member of the parish 
or other groups that seek to better the community or humanity. The Corinthians in Paul's time were making a major error in using the gifts of the Spirit for their own self-promotion and glory. Let us not make the same mistake, for all that we have been given is meant for the service of God and others. It is this service that makes us special and respected as God's faithful servants. The final powerful tool at our disposal is forgiveness. Jesus always appealed to forgiveness as the most effective tool of transforming the world and of evangelization. Forgiveness does not overlook the wrongs committed against us, but chooses not to respond with vengeance. In this way, the evil is stopped in its tracks and prevented from spreading like a contagious disease. The touch of hatred brings hatred, and conflict breeds more conflict. The disciples were given the authority to forgive sins. We are given the same authority because we can forgive sins committed against us by choosing not to pursue vengeance but justice. These three powerful tools of language, freedom and forgiveness are God's gifts to us. The Holy Spirit, who is at work in our hearts, whispers to us and directs us on how to use them, if only we will listen carefully to that gentle voice. May this feast remind us about the necessity of listening to the Spirit. The world's salvation depends on it. In some small measure, it depends on each one of us. Home is not where we live. Home is where we belong. Action. Self-examination. How do I listen to the Holy Spirit and seek the Spirit's guidance? Do I use the power of my words, freedom and forgiveness? How? Response to God. I will give thanks to God daily for His presence in my life through the Holy Spirit and strive to listen to the Spirit's voice as I move through my days. Response to your world This week, I will employ my words, my freedom, and the ability to forgive when dealing with others. In our group reflection, we will explore the theme of forgiveness. How seriously do we take it as a basic Christian demand? How can we better implement it in our own circumstances? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your continuing presence with us through your Holy Spirit. Give us attentive hearts 
and understanding minds so that we can be open to the Spirit's movement. May our lives be lived entirely under the Spirit's guidance. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.